Welcome back to another episode of the Worth Woman podcast. I am so freaking happy that you're here. I also cannot believe that Thanksgiving is literally this week. Like, I I don't know about you, but I have, like, this whole week, I've been a little disoriented because I feel like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, like, once, like, the week before Thanksgiving or the week of Thanksgiving comes, I feel like everything is just thrown off for me. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. I don't know what year it is. What am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to be? Things are closed on Thursday for Thanksgiving. Then it's crazy craziness on Friday for Black Friday. And then it's Christmas time. And and then it's New Year's. And before we know it, we're literally in 2030. And I don't even know where the time has gone. So I don't know if you feel like that. That's how I feel like every single year goes. And especially this year with moving to Austin, it is now, we're now 60 days, less than 60 days from moving to Austin and that is just I guess I try not to think about it too much because I am so excited like reality is set in like reality is set in that I am moving to a completely different state I am making myself the most uncomfortable I have ever made myself in my entire life. I am leaving my friends behind. I'm taking one with me. So Arnold, he's on the podcast a couple weeks ago, taking him with me and we're both just starting new and just making friends. We've already made some friends thanks to social media and TikTok. Shout out to the network there, but it's going to be crazy. And I'm only 60 days away from that. And Thanksgiving is this week. And then it's Christmas. And it's just, it's wild. So I don't know about you, but I love this time of year because everyone is just, it's just a buzz. It's a buzz of happiness and good feelings and giving and all the good things. So anyways, I'm just excited. And I'm glad that you're here because today's episode is freaking incredible. So Jasmine Holmes, so she is in the wonderful country of Australia. So trying, so whenever we, whenever I had reached out to her about being on the podcast, because I had heard her on Jasmine Starr's podcast and I was like, this girl, I love her mindset. I love her perspective on just knowing your worth, literally like the title of this podcast and pricing yourself accordingly and just being able to distinguish between your value someone paying your value, not pricing yourself as if you would be buying it, just literally all the things. It's so freaking good. I have already listened to it back and I'm just like, I cannot wait for everyone to hear this episode because it's just incredible. So that is what is happening today. And I'm very excited about that. But in other news, as I've mentioned um, a couple of times like here in the podcast, the Worth Holiday Party is coming up. We are a little over two weeks away. And that is also very exciting because this is the last Worth event for 2023. Um, what a freaking year. I cannot wait to celebrate with all of you. Make sure you grab your ticket. We are gonna be at Second City on December 7th from six to nine. Your ticket includes either two cocktails from Second City or two um, coffee drinks, the specialty coffee drinks from Rooted Coffee Bar. They're gonna have their mobile coffee bar there. I'm very excited about that. There's some fun icebreaker activities I've planned and we're just gonna be reflecting on the year that we've had because I feel like everyone in their own space has just they like we've all had a year like we've we've grown a lot we've lost we've won we've cried we've laughed we've had amazing memories I just feel like this year has been incredible and just a tremendous year of growth for so many of us and I just cannot wait to hear your stories and so if you are free December 7th please come join us come network I want this to be about just women in the area who are doing big things, dreaming big, wanting to meet new people that will expand your network. Because if there is anything I can tell you, the biggest growth and the most growth that I have seen in my business is when I got myself around people that were doing bigger things than I am. And in that aspect, but also just expanding my network. I cannot tell you the importance of connections and relationships 
and just your network is when it comes to building a business and growing in your career. It's crucial because you you never know like who you know that could connect you to something or someone that could catapult your business or career into the level that you've been dreaming of. Like you just never know. And everyone that you come across, you come across for a reason and for a purpose. And whether they're in your life for a season or for a reason, it is all on purpose. And I just want this event to be about that. It's just about connecting, having fun, reflecting, learning, growing, and just getting ready for 2024 to be the year that we are just, we're harvesting the seeds that we planted this year. And it's going to be freaking great. So I have so many great things happening next year, still happening this year. I'm so excited. So make sure, grab a friend, Tickets are in the link in my bio on Instagram, or you can just go to theworthwoman.com and grab your ticket. Tickets are $42. And like I said, it includes your drinks. Gonna have a little refreshments for y'all as far as little snacky foods. And we're just gonna have a good time. And I mentioned this before, I think in the last episode, but every single time I've met someone that has come to a Worth event that's never been to one, they always tell me how scared they were to come because I get it. Like coming into a room full of women that you don't know can be intimidating, it can be scary, but every single time they tell me how great they feel, how happy they are that they came, the the vibes that were there, it was good energy, and they just left feeling so fulfilled. So if you are nervous about coming to a Worth event for the first time, please do not be nervous. I am there, I will have, so Arnold will also be there because he's gonna help me create content and get content for it. And so just, just come and have a good time and it's just, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I, I feel like I keep saying that because I've experienced them so many times, but just trying to let you know that it is nothing to be scared of or nervous about. But anyways, well, I'm gonna stop jabbering because I can jabber for a while. But today's episode and today's guest is one that I will definitely have back on the podcast because she is just so incredibly talented. Her mindset around money is just insane. And so if you love today's episode, make sure you leave a review, make sure you share it, download it, save it, store it, whatever you got to do, tag us both and let us know what you think about today's episode and conversation. And so without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Worth Woman podcast. And I don't know if you can hear my voice, but I'm literally beaming from ear to ear right now. And I've already kind of fangirled like before we I, I hit record. But today's guest is someone that I have been so excited to bring on the show because I initially heard her on the Gold Digger podcast with Jenna Kutcher. And so she is the pricing queen, Miss Jasmine. Thank you so much for being on the Worth Woman podcast. I am so glad to be here, but I actually think Jenna Kutcher is actually somewhere I want to be. Maybe it was the Jasmine Star podcast. Jasmine Star. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. Well, you know what? Jasmine Star. Yes. I just. <laughs> I on like one of the bigger podcasts and I was like, I have to get her on the podcast. She's amazing. I still All can't the- believe that I actually got on that. Like I definitely sat there for the first kind of that what felt like five minutes, but it was definitely just like 30 seconds of waiting for her face to pop up on the screen to start the interview. I like If you listen to my episode, I am in such a high octave that I am in panic. And for the moments that it was leading up to it, I'm there going, this is the biggest catfish thing ever. This is definitely like they made this whole producer thing up. There's no way that I'm actually going to be talking to Jasmine Starr. And now I get to kind of use that amazing first impression that I got to have with so many people to spread further, spread wider and come on um, podcasts like this. And this is the ones that I find have the most incredible conversations because we're both meeting like friends at a cafe and having a conversation, albeit about really nerdy topics. But hey, you got to find your happiness somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, maybe I just manifested that. You're going to be on the Jenna Kutcher podcast. Yeah, and this was just your intro into Jasmine and how amazing she is. 
Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Jenna, Amy, Jasmine, like can tr- invite me to one of your retreats. I'd love to come. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, bring me along, pack me in your suitcase. And <laughs> so Jasmine, so talk to us a little bit. So obviously for those listening, you can hear her accent, which I freaking love so much. So you are from Australia. Sure am. What part? So I am from a part called uh, Melbourne, so Victoria. If you were to read it on a piece of paper, you would go Melbourne. Um, But Melbourne is down the bottom. It's kind of like the little toe, I guess, just before you get to Tasmania. But originally I'm from a place called Adelaide, which is in the center down the bottom of Australia. So for anyone who kind of sits there and goes, oh, Australia, like you can – travel from place to place. It's about 10 hours drive between where I used to live and where I do live. And if you were to drive from one side of the country to the other, you're basically driving from the East Coast to the West Coast of the US. So it is, if you overlay it, it's about the same size. But the fact that you guys can drive like four hours and be in a different state is not a a reality we have over here. (laughs) It's just a lot of space. Yeah, I did not. Okay, obviously, like just seeing Australia on a map, like, I would never guess that it was that vast yeah. as the United States. That's crazy. Yeah, wow. it, it's a it's a big old place, and it's quite funny. Like you guys have different areas and sections that have um, different nuances. Like the people who are from California aren't the same as the people who are from New York. And I know this because I've spent a lot of time um, traveling when I was in my twenties through yeah. the states and Canada. Um, and we have the same thing here. Like people from Perth are very different from the people from Melbourne, who are very very different from the people from Queensland. Um, yeah. And we all have kind of different accents as well, but you guys can tell your different ones. Mine is kind of, it's got the Australian accent, but because I've got British heritage, it kind of sneaks its way in there as well. Wow. You know what? I learn something every single day and we're only five (laughs) minutes into this podcast and I'm already learning so much. So I love that. But anyways, okay. So let's just dive in because I am just, I want listeners to hear your story and just all the goodness that you have. So Walk me through how you went, because we have very similar stories, as in you were a corporate girl turned now businesswoman, killing it, million dollar business. Like walk me through where you came from to where you're at now. Alrighty. So I've spent the last 15 years developing what my style and version of success is. Um, I definitely... When I was <clears throat> studying and building up my skills and my skill set, I was at the same time working in the industry. So I worked in real estate agencies and ran print rooms. I built websites for nonprofits. I did a short stint looking at like subway and real estate pages um, and commercial real estate. I then did retirement and aged care marketing, which is really weird because you're looking at a whole heap of people that you're not quite sure if they're alive anymore. Um, and then did a whole heap of like different styles or different endpoints of where the creative process generally leads us. So print, um, digital, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then a lot of sign writing as well when I first started. And so I got to the end of all of these different jobs and found myself in this particular agency that legitimately the art director said to me, this is where creatives go when they've done being creative and they just want to get a paycheck and go home. Oh my gosh. And I sat there and went, have I just spent the last six or seven years studying, doing all of these different places, developing all of these different skills, only to find myself in a place that doesn't actually celebrate them? And they were very clicky. It was like the most cliche Hollywood show that you've ever seen of me sitting there with the other creatives or the other designers all sending emails about me of like, why is she asking my opinion? Doesn't she know how to design? Why is she not doing this? Doesn't she know how to do it? And I sat there and went, is this how the creative industry actually is? Mm -hmm. And now I know that's not true now, but at that point I went, oh God, I need to make a change. Mm -hmm. And I literally jumped on and went and shifted my entire life on, I think it was a random Thursday and applied for a musical theater degree. And I went and did a musical theater degree for a year, moved my life from Adelaide to Melbourne and studied musical theater, um, took my now husband with me and we started a life in Melbourne. 
And over that course of that year, I discovered that I am not a musical theatre performer. <laughs> uh, I discovered that as much as I love to sing, act and dance, I just wasn't able to put myself in a place where I liked be, being compared to my competition, where mm-hmm. I had to really um, question how good I was and prove my worth every single time for the people that were on that judging panel. And so after a year of trying to shove this fillet steak of a body into a sausage skin that is the ballet tights (laughs) because not fun. Um, (laughs) After doing that for a year, I ran back into the loving arms of graphic design and restarted my graphic design business and, and my graphic design career. But this time I was now in Melbourne. Melbourne had a lot different opportunity. The places in Adelaide that would hire me more so wanted to me wanted me to be an all rounder. But while mm. I found myself in Melbourne, I was more of a finished artist. So there was a more of a concentration on a specific thing of basically making it so that anything had been designed before, I was the the quality control to make sure that it could actually happen, which was perfect because that's what I had spent the last couple of years developing the skills in. Mm-hmm. And so, again, found myself in lots of different uh, places, lots of different corporates. I did more um, like retail marketing. I did some stuff for Uniqlo. I did some stuff in Office Works, which is kind of like Office Max here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, more of like a hospitality advertising as well. So I had lots of different places. Anyone who tells you that you have to be staying in one place to be worthy is wrong. You're mm-hmm. getting all of the different tastes of what you like and what you don't like. This is your discovery phase of like you're standing at the business buffet and being like, "Mm, do I like artichokes? No. Okay. Putting them back. We're going to go for something else. And so I then found myself in another studio and this studio was just as toxic as the one before. Mm. This one was filled with male toxicity, filled with people who would do work till two in the morning because they've been playing basketball when they should have been doing work at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. And they were the ones that were celebrated. And so I started, I found myself in the exact same situation again of going, is this design? And I knew better now. Mm -hmm. I understood better now. And I walked out and walked into a job at Rolex. One year, one contract. I, and walking into that job, I'd actually been given two options. One was to go to another studio, which would absolutely catapult my creative career into your art directors, your creative directors, all of that like normal career path mm-hmm. or a one-year contract at Rolex doing graphic design while it was a maternity leave cover and then I would be able to transition into freelance. And I sat there and I went, which pathway works for me? And if you'd asked me back when I had started in that first toxic studio, I probably wouldn't have done the same thing as I did and went with Rolex. I probably would have gone for the career, but I decided that I had learned enough. I was good enough and anything that I was going to learn, I could use that next year to transition into freelance. And so I spent three days a week churning out 150 ads per month and learning anything and everything I could on the side of how to build my business in a better, more sustainable way so that I could be a freelancer. And at the end of that 12 months, I jumped straight into a full-time freelance and I won't sit there and say, and then all the clients came running over the hills just begging me to do all of their work for them. No, but I learned step-by-step to be good enough where I am and to understand what I needed to do to be good enough for the next step and the next step and the next step. That transition into full-time freelance was about seven years ago, eight years ago. And it's funny because the art director that uh, I had at that second toxic space accidentally called me about a year after I went full-time freelance, accidentally called me and was like, hey, oh, it's not you. It's, I was looking for the person who replaced you. And I went, no. And then he says, look, I've seen that you're doing a lot of stuff good online. It's, it's amazing. It's incredible. You're proving a lot of people wrong. Mm. And in the moment I went, yeah, that's totally the the plan. 
But that, those are the kind of moments that you pinpoint and milestone along your journey that make you realize that you are not the designer, the creative, the person that you were up until this moment and you get to choose the next step. And so then about two, three years ago, I decided that I was at that enough stage again, that it was time to start throwing the hand back, to start helping other people, start helping other freelancers, to be able to build something that they didn't know existed, which was a sustainable freelance business that is able to make money and actually build a life that freelancers traditionally get told they're not privy to. They're not able to buy houses. They're not able to have million-dollar moments. And I'm here to tell you that they are. I'm proof of that. And I now help others do the same thing with Creative Business Kitchen. Oh my gosh. What a story. <laughs> what a story. And I like, I love what you said about the milestone moments that just, that are just trivial to, you know, like helping you become who you're supposed to be and like showing you, like, like you said that you aren't good enough and mm. just adapting that mindset. Cause I feel like I hear so many women talk about, you know, having the courage to take the leap and to leave where they're uncomfortable and where they're not happy and go into that next chapter that they don't know what it's going to feel like. But I think that the way you said that is so, it's kind of like a light bulb just went off in my head. And it's, it truly all goes back to feeling good enough. Like, am I good enough to take this next step? Am I good enough to do this on my own? And the fact that you have continually done that over and over again is just, I mean, you're just a great example of what it takes just going into being in a place that you're not, you're not valued and you know, you're not valued and just being your own biggest cheerleader and be like, you are good enough and you're going to be good enough and you're going to make it work and you're going to make it happen. You took the step and now you're helping other freelancers and other business owners do the same thing and being able to price themselves accordingly so where they love themselves and the jobs and the clients that they're serving. Yeah, because one of the easiest ways to find uh, disappointment and frustration in your business, in the way that you serve your clients, is to not charge enough. Like it's the literally the easiest way for you to do it. If your goal is to be the cheapest and the cheerfulest kind of option for them, charge little. You'll be busy, but you'll be burnt out and pissed off. Mm. That is the most true statement possible. I remember when I first started, I started with just like baby shower invitations and birthday party invitations. And I think I charged $40 for my very first invitation set. And I just remember thinking like I had $15 left over. Maybe like $15, $12 left there. And I was like, I made a $15 profit. Like this is, this is, we're on the way to a million dollar <laughs> business right now. And it's just like truly like being and like getting all those clients. Like you said, like I was not really being fulfilled because I was like, I'm charging so little. Like how mm-hmm. do I get to the next step? Like I knew what I wanted to be charging. I knew what I wanted my work to look like and what I wanted my business to look like. But it was so hard. And I feel like it's a lot of like the mindset that you have to adopt. And so talk to me a little bit about what you teach as far as mindset into, you know, getting out of that burnt out. I have to serve everybody. Everyone is my target audience to No, it's okay to niche down and it's okay to charge more. And it's okay to be different than the girl next to me doing the same thing. Yeah, I think there's lots of examples that we're currently surrounded with or surrounded by that create us as a number. And if you think about if you're treating your clients as a number, as like, um, you know, herded into somewhere or waiting in line or like you don't feel special when you are a number, when you are part of a, a group or like a, you've been put into a group of like, you know, white females with brunette hair, like that's put you in a group. Mm-hmm. And so if you're then trying to serve every single group, no one's going to feel special. You're not going to feel like you are fulfilled. They're not going to feel like they're looked after. So if you niche down your audience and um, concentrate on who you serve the best, then mm-hmm. that's going to be a better like application of your time and your effort. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that people talk a lot about um, 
in some of my communities. So for those who don't know, I am blessed with a sparkly brain that is ADHD. And we talk a lot about um, the idea of spoonies. So spoons, you have 10 spoons and it's kind of like the um, PG version of the subtle art of not giving a fuck. You have that many. And so you have 10 spoons and you allocate those 10 spoons throughout the day and they get replenished in the new, like in the next day. And Mm -hmm. so you need to work out where your energy goes. And the Mm. same goes for what kind of clients that you want to bring in. Because Mm. if you say, okay, I'm going to serve everyone, you're going to lose all your spoons really fast. Mm. And you might find that you get these random questions where you're like, I've got no idea how to solve this problem. I've, it doesn't even fulfill what I'm actually wanting to do. Someone saying, can you design me a logo and you hate logo design? Mm -hmm. If you try to serve everyone, you are going to get a majority of stuff that you either don't know how to do or don't actually want to do. And you'll find yourself two years down the track doing stuff that you don't want to do for money that is not enough to justify doing it. So if you concentrate on where your genius lies with things that you do well, it's going to make it easier and it's going to make it a more enjoyable experience to make money from. Perfect example is I could have taught how to be a designer. I could have concentrated on building courses on how to get better and more skilled at design, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to do that because to me, that's where you go and study. That's where you go and experience life. And that's where you Google. My God, anyone who thinks that that um, Google is not one of the most uh, valuable things to start putting into your pursuit of knowledge, mm-hmm. like that's that's one of the most um, beneficial things that you can do is have the answer, and you need to be one step ahead of whoever needs the answer from you. Yeah. Um, but if you can start building up and concentrating on what you do best and serve the people who have the problems that you can solve so well, you will enjoy your business more. You will be able to charge more for your genius because you've become a specialist and you will have the ability to grow faster and easier. And isn't that what we all want? We want just something a little bit easier than doing the same crap that you don't like doing for too long and costing you too much. Absolutely. Well, talk to me a little bit more because I feel like I remember going through this, like when I first started my business of, I know I need to niche down. I know I need to start saying no. Hmm. And I want to talk about the word no, because Uh, I feel like it is a very vast word. And so kind of two separate questions. I talked to listeners about the word no, as far as not working with somebody that is not willing to pay what you are charging. Mm. And then also saying no to those jobs that clearly if someone's like, Hey, I'll, I'll pay you $50 to bake me cookies. Well, you're like, well, I only make wedding cakes now. How do you get good at saying no to money when you know it's not fulfilling you like you were just talking about? Mm -hmm. So you kind of create a bit of a checklist in your brain for it's kind of like a, a your own goosebumps novel of like if this then that if this happens then we go there so mm-hmm. when someone comes to you and gives you a, a job that you're interested in doing but it's not enough money then that's when you consider the third option does it get me somewhere further than where I am today mm-hmm. so if it's something that you're yeah I'd be willing to to bake cookies um, it's not quite enough money, but I might be able to use it for content or I might be able to use it in a different way that gets me somewhere else. Mm. You might consider it. Um, and the fourth part is, do I have the capacity? Um, so you would look at, um, is it enough money? Is it where I want to go or get me somewhere else? And do I have the capacity to take it on? If any of those are a no, you double the price. Mm. You double the price and it makes it with it what makes it fit worthwhile option. And the fact of the matter is when you put a price on something, you are just putting dollars, you are putting numbers on a a plate for consideration and giving them context. So if you're, say for instance, um 
helping a business by doing a brochure for a new product they have, you then need to work out what is the value that you're bringing by doing that. Are you saving them time so they don't have to do it themselves? Are you saving them money because they're actually, if they did do it themselves, they're probably going to take twice as long. They're probably going to spend too much time and actually potentially not do some of the key elements that you know help businesses grow, help make money, help promote things like psychological pricing and things like that? Mm. Or are you creating a revenue stream for them? Are you doing something that's going to enable them to make more money? And if it's any of those or a combination of them, you need to be charging well. And the last thing I will say is that when it comes to When it comes to the dollar amount that you put on the access to your genius, it is not your responsibility to make sure that the client can afford it. It is your responsibility to make sure that your business can exist beyond it. Because Mm. if your business does not exist beyond the amount that you charge, you can no longer exist and serve the next client. You need to make sure that you exist. You need to make sure that you can fulfill the work. Because if you charge so little, that you go out of business or you can't justify doing the next job because you're too scared that it's going to not make you enough money or cost you money, then that's a surefire way to make it like you don't need to be responsible for them paying it. It's not your money yet. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I've heard this a couple of times of where you're not pricing your product or service so that you would buy it. So you can't think of yourself as your, your, I wish I could see this right now. Like she is just like, she's like, oh, this is good. So talk to me a little bit about that because I feel like, and I am definitely, you know, um, guilty of this of being like, oh my gosh, am I charging too much? Because, you know, like, I don't know if I could afford this. Like, we're <laughs> not doing that. So t- I, I know, like, you want to say so much. And I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to hear it. Honestly, this is my one of my favorite topics. And the reason why it's one of my favorite topics, um, especially this month, is I speak at a creative mornings group um, every single month. I get up on stage and I give a pricing tip. And this price, this month's pricing tip is exactly this. So oh, it's, it's very, very exciting. It's very timely. I love it. You know so pretty much when we are taught about pricing, let's go way back to like kindergarten and primary school. When we are taught about money about dollars and we're standing there at our like pretend shop and we're going and giving them the dollar and they give us the dollar back and all of that. The Mm -hmm. first thing that we learn is when we see a number and it has a dollar sign on it, we immediately are taught to think, can I afford that? Immediately. It's the first thing that we're, we're taught to um, kind of go through the process of like, okay, if you see a dollar amount, you would then work out what does it mean for me? How much would I need to work? What am I going to do to be able to afford that? Perfect example is when I was a in my teens, I worked as a barista. And as the barista, I was getting paid, I think, $18 an hour. And this is in my final year of high school and I had seen a dress that I wanted to wear for my graduation and it was $180. It was $180 and I was like, okay, to be able to justify that price in my brain, that's 10 hours of work for me. Great. I need to work 10, maybe a little bit more so that I'm not just spending all of the money that I've made mm-hmm. to be able to make to make that purchase. And then as my life changed and I changed how much I charged and I was no longer bound by employment contracts, that dress would now be an hour's worth of work. And so now I can kind of change that process. And you need to understand that that's what your clients and customers are doing when they look at your prices. But the thing that we get caught up in is that we're now the one setting the price. We're now the one putting that dollar amount on the page we're not the one paying it. We're not, it's not coming out of our budget or our back pocket. We're the ones setting the access price to our genius. We're setting the ticket amount price. We're setting the price tag on the luxurious dress that is our creativity. So we get to put that price out there knowing that it's not, it's not us paying the bill. Mm-hmm. 
we don't necessarily have the same values. We don't have the same skills. We don't have the same experiences as those who purchase from us because if we did, then they wouldn't need us. We wouldn't need them. And the same goes for when you purchase something. You acquire or make a purchase because it's somewhere that you lack. It's something that you don't have that you're wanting to put into your life, into your business, into your experience, into your morning coffee. Mm-hmm. So I could sit here and make my own coffee for sure, but I could also purchase it. And it doesn't change the value of the time that I purchase it. That mm-hmm. it doesn't change how much my the barista that I'm going to now, it doesn't change the fact of they charge $4.80 for a, a coffee just mm-hmm. because I could make coffee at home. I love that. And you've said this a couple of times and it's just, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just kind of sticking with me is the access price to our genius. I love that because that truly is, if you think about it, whether you own a business that has a service, a product, or whatever the case may be, you are putting a, a dollar and a value to access the genius and the skills that you have worked so hard to build. Mm-hmm. You have the experience. And I just, I love the way you word that. Uh, the access to genius is one of my favorite ones to to pull out because it stops people talking about worth. And I know that this is worth women, but the fact of the matter is if we tie the dollar amount that we charge to our own worth and self-worth, it gets messy. But if we tie it to the access price, like we are the carnival ride. Yeah. And we've just said, look, it's it's 50 bucks to get in. It depends on how long you stay and it depends on what you get out of it. Then we can start thinking about like the boundary that we create to keep out the people that don't value us, that don't deserve to walk through the gates to be able to access our genius. Because access, if we think about different things that we access, and that can be hiring something, maybe hiring a a mower to do your lawns or um, hiring a dress for a particular event or, you know, any subscription that we have, we are creating constant access to that genius. So it changes the way that you think about your creativity because we're now thinking about it instead of it being a transaction and we hand it over and it no longer exists in our, in our, um, own bodies and our own beings. Mm-hmm. If we think about it like access, we can allow that access, we can cut off that access, and we can put a boundary around that access that makes it so that anyone that gets the privilege, gets the yeah. opportunity to work with us, that it's because we've decided that we've allowed them access. I love that. Good Lord. I'm about to, I can't wait. Honestly, I can't wait for this to be over so I can go back and listen to this because. <laughs> Um, okay, well, let's switch gears a little bit because now that we're talking about, you know, our worth and tying our worth to a price tag, I know before we hit record that there was a topic that we both kind of wanted to talk about. And it's just about, it's about a number and how Mm. much you're worth. And Mm. I just want to dive into this because I feel like, like you said, from a very young age, we are, there's this weird relation to a dollar a dollar amount and then how it ties to ourself and whether that's if we're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, if we're making five hundred thousand dollars a year, a million dollars a year, like it all has this energy around it mm-hmm. about tying our worth to a dollar amount. So mm-hmm. talk to me one about how you be how one like if let's just say like someone is wanting to charge more for their product or service and they're like, well, I don't really like, I don't know if I'm worth this amount. Like how, like one, how does one adopt the mindset of you are worth it? And then two, also kind of distinguishing like how much you're worth and how much your genius is worth and how they're different. Does that make sense? That was like a lot. Yeah. Look, that's, that's plenty for me to work with. (laughs) Um, Okay. So at the start of this year, I did, I think it was the start of this year. It might even been earlier. Um, I did a free workshop, which was the money hungry mindset workshop. And it was really looking at understanding what your relationship is with money, what your relationship is with like dollars and the way that you interact with them. Now, a big thing that we do 
um, when it comes to our money mindset is we've made a lot of decisions and assumptions that we hold on to white knuckle grip to take into every situation that we face. And there's, you know, I could go way deeper into like transgenerational money trauma and stuff like that, because it's definitely real. The way that your parents and grandparents interacted with money around you changes the way that you perceive money. If you're someone that always had, I always saw scarcity in the way that your parents handled money or or worked through money problems, then that'll definitely have an impact on you. And it also then has an impact on how you work as a person. Um, a friend of mine was like, yeah, my, my grandfather would be always saying, if you're too sick to work, then your family will die. And like, that was the whole process of like, if you can't work, you can't make money. If you can't make money, you're not going to be able to put food on the table. If you can't put food on the table, your family will die because you couldn't work. And like, if those kind of processes are ticking around in your head, that is the way that you are going to show up when it comes to money and it's going to bleed into everything that you do. So when it comes to the way that you perceive money, understanding what your money story is so far is really important. Now, the questions that I highly recommend you ask yourself when it comes to money is what is the most that someone should make? What is the most that I could make? And why have I made a number limit that? Because the very likely thing is that you've sat there and gone, okay, what's the most I can make? Or what's the most someone should make? And you've put a number there. Right there, you have put a ceiling. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It is infinite. There are people out there who put up a couple of TikToks and have 73 orders overnight. There are people who are making hundreds, thousands, millions, billions doing different things. There is no limit. If you think that there is a limit, you will be limited by it and you will always feel like you're coming up short. Mm -hmm. What you need to be doing is going, okay, what would make that possible? What could I be changing to do that? And it's not necessarily chucking your hourly rate up to $2,000 an hour and becoming this mogul. Mm-hmm. It's being smarter about the way that you approach how your creative genius solves problems. And it might be that you start, like, like we are talking about before with the niching, you might start looking at a very specific group of people and trying to understand them better so that you can look at how your skills solve the problems that cost them the most in money, time, effort, energy, or frustration. And as soon as you start targeting that, you're then able to open up the idea of profit because you will no longer be selling skills. You will no longer be selling time. You will be selling solutions to problems that people have. And they won't sit there and go, but how many hours did it take you? They will say, thank you for solving my problem. Here's my next one. And so when we're sitting there and trying to work out, okay, what's the most I can ever make? If you're limiting yourself in any way, shape or form, if you're making it so that you're like, oh, I can't make any more than this, I'd highly recommend shifting your mindset. Oh, gosh. So freaking good. Honestly, like growing up, I had the mindset of $100,000 is like when I've made it. Like that is like what I saw my parents make. And I was like, my dad made it big because he made six figures and yada, yada, yada. And like, I was like, once I get to that point, like when I'm probably like 40, 50, like around my dad's age, then I'll have known I made it. Well, I, I hit that at 29 and I was like, I honestly thought like someone was going to pop out of the closet and like pop champagne and be like, Oh my God, you made six figures. Like you've made it in life. I'm like, nothing happened. I remember exactly where I was when that invoice came through of when I hit six figures in one year. And I was like, yay. Like, and it's, it's like, it's the craziest feeling because this is like what I wanted to work for my whole life was a number, was a ceiling that I put on myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I probably limited myself earlier than I, I mean, I probably could have made that like before 29. And so I love that you said that because truly it does put a ceiling 
on your mindset per se of like how of like how far you can go. Yeah, and, and it, it, if you think it less about the most and more about the next, that changes everything. It's like okay, we're gonna grow year on year twenty percent for the next five years, and so by the time that we get five years down the track, we would have doubled. Cool. That's the next step, not the top, not the most. There's so many other people that are making so much money from different ways of packaging up the access to their genius and the different ways of solving people's problems. People pay for problems to be solved so often, so often. So if you look at that way, it it definitely helps. And progressing that bit by bit by bit. One of the most common things that I hear from when people use my pricing calculator, which I'll talk about that later, but the pricing calculator that I have is that they'll come in and say, oh, I I know that my hourly rate is $75. And it's like, okay, cool. How did you come up with that? I was like, oh, well, that's what everyone else was charging. Cool. Now run the numbers. Work out what a salary would be if you were employed in the, the kind of skill set that you have. How many hours are you going to be dedicating to this business? How do you section out or strategize the way that you do your billable hours and how many clients can you really feasibly fulfill with that time? And Mm. then you add on the expenses because running a business is an expensive exercise and it should not come out of your profit. Mm -hmm. So then building your hourly rate and they come back and they're like, "Uh, I went from 75 to 130. How do I do this? Great. Now that you have where the next milestone is, you can start chipping away at that. You can start being more creative with the way that you do things. And the number one thing that we do when we're charging hourly and we're estimating time is we underestimate, Mm. overestimate, put more time. If give yourself more time, don't be the freelancer that is there treating themselves like the pain in the ass art director who's trying to make them work faster. Don't be that person for yourself. Give yourself time and effort, um, capacity and time and capacity to be able to do the work and do the work well. Don't price for the time that it will take and how fast you can do it. Price for the time that you need to do your best work. Mm. Gosh, I have to say, this is probably the fastest 40 minutes I have ever had on a podcast. Like, So we're I, doing a round two, everyone. Be coming back for the round two, yeah. <laughs> so catch us again in 2024 because when we get to <laughs> this has been amazing. And I feel like I can talk about this all day with you because there's so many pricing doesn't just start at like, what do you charge? How do you charge? How do you niche down? X, Y, Z. There's so many. It's an onion. Like there's so many oh, different ways. Such an onion. Mm-hmm. And it's about mindset and it's about how you look at money and like how much you're already limiting yourself by just, just alone how you view money. And yeah. this has been huge. So but I know time is of the essence. So I want to go ahead and wrap up and ask the two questions that I always ask guests on the show. So the first one being, what is the biggest obstacle that you have overcome and what has it taught you? The idea of success that the idea that everyone's version of success is the same as yours, that that there is a one singular version of success or being a successful business owner, being a successful creative, being a successful graphic designer, being a successful person, that there's only one version of that, that everyone travels the exact same path. Overcoming that was literally the the opening of my creative soul to be able to accept that we're all out here trying to find our own flavor of success, whatever that looks like, however many many hours that we work, whatever kind of clients or jobs that we take on, whatever kind of accolades that we're allowed to accept into our lives, all of those make up the different version of your flavor of success. And it's not the same as the next person next to you. It's not the same as the person that you will be in a year. You only need to know where you're going and have a curiosity of where you're going to be able to create your own version of success. Wow. If y'all could see me right now, I think my head nodded so much. It's just my head's like, oh. <laughs> you want to good bobbleheads, just so little bobbleheads, just nodding <laughs> for the last 45 minutes. But that honestly, it's so crazy that you say that. And that's your answer because like this whole like two days of this week, I have just been in such a place of 
finding content where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I think that rings so true to me because it is like, it's like you're finding your own flavor of success because everyone's different. Everyone wants different things. Like just because someone posts on social media, like why does that get to determine success? Like, does that mean a big Mm -hmm. house? Does that mean like what you drive, the possessions that you have, how much money you make? the family, like how, like how much you've done by a certain age. Like that's a big one that's hitting home for me right now. Like I'm divorced at 32 with no kids. Like congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Great thing. That means that to me, that means that you've chosen, you've actually chosen where you prefer to be. You've made a choice. That's a good thing. That's so, that's so important as well of like choosing your own version of success. Some people want to, like some people have in their mind that this is the version of success that they have to be at a certain time. Yeah. Life happens, man. (laughs) It does. And that was like one of the hardest things with walking away from my marriage was just being like, listen, like I have a whole life to live still. I mean, I'm 32 years young, I like to say. And so Mm. I have to look at it like I had to have kids by a certain age or have XYZ by a certain age. And it's just not going to happen. I can either wallow in that or I can pick myself back up and keep going and Mm. realize I still have a whole life to live. And like you said, this is my version of success. Like I own my dream house. I have the dog I want. I drive a, a great car. I have so much to be thankful for. And this is my timeline of success. And it doesn't look like yours. It doesn't look like the girl next to me. And that's okay. And so I just, I love that you said that because it's just truly finding content where you're at in this season of life. And realize that you can shape your own version of success. You don't have to look like the Stanleys down the street that have the white picket fence because that's not the American dream anymore. Or the Australian dream. Like, I don't know what y'all's dream over there is, but it's just... It's kind of crap. Like, yeah. like paint. I, I would personally have a black picket fence if you ask me, because <laughs> I don't really like white, even though I'm wearing white. But I just, I love that. Like, that's that's your answer because it truly is, and it rings so true. Just in this season of, that I'm in, is that create your own version of success. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Last question: What have you done, or what are you? What are you currently doing that has led to your level of success? This one's going to be an interesting one because it's something that I think we learn and relearn and then re-relearn. Disconnecting disconnecting the wins from the overall success. And so when I put out a, a price to a client and I say, here's the job, here's the project, and here's the dollar amount, I cannot tie my own success to whether that gets accepted. I'm not trying to create the perfect price. I'm not trying to I, – I don't want that price to be perfect. I want feedback on how it can be fitting to the way that they progress their business and how I look at kind of progressing that way. So same thing with any masterclass or any membership that I put out. I cannot tie my own worth to the success of that. If I get 30 signups, if I get 60 signups, disconnecting the idea that it has to succeed for me to be successful has been one of the biggest things because the alternative is saying if I don't win, if I don't succeed, if I don't get every single client to say yes, if I don't have every single thing go to plan, then I'm unsuccessful. That is a surefire way to stop me growing. And so the more that I go, okay, cool, today I'm going to either learn, I'm going to earn, I'm going to do both, or I'm going to do neither. Hmm. And accepting that all of those are going to happen. They have to happen. All of them need to um, and have to happen to be able to progress to the next version of me and that next version of success. So like yesterday I had like seven different things go wrong. And by the time I was walking the dog at 4.30, my husband and I looked at each other. I went, you had a day? Yeah, I had a day too. Cool. What are we going to do for the last couple of hours? 
to make sure that we can turn it around or to best learn from what we've dealt with and experienced to do the next day. It just replenishes. You get your 10 spoons back. You get the experience back. And you get to enter that next day with the experience of the day before, knowing what you know now to be able to take it into the next version. Gosh. Oh, I know I said this a hundred times already, but damn, that is good. <laughs> that is good because truly, and that is something that I struggled with as a business owner in the beginning was just tying my worth to if the goals were met or yep. if I got a certain amount of clients or if a client said yes, or if a client said no. And I feel like a lot of times we equivalent, is that even a word? I think I may have said that Equate, perfect. Equate that to like a yes or a dollar sign that we've achieved means mm-hmm. that that we were worth it the entire time. And if we don't get it, that means we failed. And yep. I feel like a lot of times we don't look at failure as just, this is just one way it doesn't work. Yes. And, and you now have the information. Yes. And then you and your husband are walking your dog and you're like, okay, cool. Seven things went wrong today. These are seven ways that it's just not going to work for me to keep moving the needle forward. So not going to do those seven things or I'm going to learn something from what happened in those situations Mm -hmm. and take it into the new day. And don't beat yourself up because you didn't reach a certain number goal or, you know, a client didn't say yes that you thought or you didn't get the certain amount of people that signed up for that master class. Like, that's great. You got three out of the, the seven you wanted whatever. Okay. How can the next time, what can you learn from this that you can do in the next time instead of like, I guess playing that victim mentality of like, Oh my gosh, I just suck. And you know, whatever. No, you don't suck. You just found a way it didn't work. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And if you, we can kind of take that, that curiosity into literally every single thing that we do, whether it be a pricing, whether it be a new service, whether it be sourcing something, whether it be, Anything that we do creatively, if we if we lead with curiosity to find out instead not how it's going to work but how it won't work, we'll be much more happier when we find out how it does. Yes. And I, just, I love that word curiosity. And I was listening to a podcast with Tony Robbins and Dan Cathy, who owns Chick-fil-A. And Dan Cathy was talking about how like one of the like the biggest things that has led to his success is just always staying curious. And I think that just that word curiosity and being curious in all situations can just keep your mind open to not, not be so like, like blinders on, like if you're curious about what is happening, what you can take from it, what you can learn from it, what you can't, what you don't need to do next time. It just opens up the field to more opportunity than like starting on that negative track of you know, beating yourself up or like letting the negative thoughts come in. And so I think that word curiosity and being curious is just such a beneficial word in all situations. Absolutely. Most definitely. Well, Jasmine, this has been incredible. I wish I could just go on and on and on, but we can't because I know you have work to do because it is currently what time over there? Uh, 9.30 in the morning, so it's not too bad. I now will start my work day. I've got a billion and one things to do, and I get to do them, which is kind of cool. I love that. Well, you are already future, so October 25th over there, and we are still a little bit behind, which is fine, but I think this is just so cool. I was talking to you about that before, and I'm like, you're like literally in the future. So like, let me have tomorrow for me. I won't give you any spoilers. Don't worry. Okay, perfect. Don't, don't do that. I like surprises. So, okay. Well, tell listeners where they can find out more about you, your coaching, all the things that you offer, and a little surprise that you have for listeners today. Absolutely. So if you are someone who is fascinated with pricing puns and food-related analogies, you will definitely enjoy the Creative Business Kitchen. So if you head over to Your Pricing Queen, which is me on Instagram, you can jump in and basically uh, there's a big buffet of lots of different ways that you can learn about pricing, learn about creativity, and learn from what I've experienced over the last 15 years. I also have my online programs as well as an online membership, which is the Freelancer's Pantry, which gives you all the hand-picked ingredients and tools to build your own version of freelance success, um, which is at creativebusinesskitchen.com. 
And then finally, um, for the listeners today, I have a pricing calculator. So I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but this pricing calculator basically makes it so that you just need to put in your numbers and it will tell you what you need to be putting on your billable hour and where to go from there. So if you head to creativebusinesskitchen.com slash worth, you'll be able to grab that there. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to listen back to this episode because I know I'm going to get a lot from it. Thank you so much again for your time, for your knowledge, for sharing your expertise and your genius with us today. And I am sure, I hope you will come back on the podcast for next year. And we'll just oh, let's just keep going. I'll keep telling you. We're just going to just have another round. Let's go another round. Yeah. But next time, let's have snacks. I think that'd be a good idea. Okay, definitely not. I'm just going to come to Australia and we'll have snacks and wine. And yes, we'll just- over here. <laughs> I'm all about the travel. So anyways, well, thank you so much again for being here. And thank you all for listening. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being here. And I will see you all back here next week. Thanks for listening to the Worth Women podcast. If you found value in this episode, please leave us a rating and review. We appreciate you. Until next time.